This is Frisbee Rob McLeod, and you're listening to the Sheriff Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of the Sheriff. Guys, tonight I am blessed to have one of my idols on once again with me on my show. Now, this gentleman is very, very skilled individual. He is a man that I literally admire for his energy, ability to entertain, his knowledge of the games, his passion and love for the games, and his animation skills. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I try to be the same way, and I'm just going to love to pick this man's brain. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Costantino, how are you doing today? Yeah, the sheriff. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Doing I'm loving good, it, man. Buddy. I'm pumped. This has been a, a little bit uh, in the making here for us to kind of connect, and it's funny for me because, you know, like, not a lot of people know, but I, I started my career in, in local Rogers. So when I look back in your career, there was for sure games that I had done with you involved in, whether it was while well, you played in Mississauga, for sure. I know that Kitchener, I think was another stop London. We had talked about that off camera a little bit. So for sure, I had done at least one, two, three, maybe more of your games um, than you would have expected back in those days. So this is kind of cool for me for it to come full circle. Obviously, hockey world we've got a lot of friends in common and whatnot so this is pretty cool for me man let me tell you yeah dude i'm i'm really excited to have you on one thing you need to know sammy is and i can call you sammy right oh yeah yeah, yeah. no no and, and and no but the reason why i'm asking is because sam is it your stage name nickname or is it a legal name of yours no samuel is the real name what samuel. about salvatore Salvatore was not, but my grandfather was called that. So he came from Italy. And then, you know, like a lot of people who came from Italy at that time were trying to integrate and it was tough for them to integrate. And so they tried to anglicize their names, right? So Salvatore yes. became Sam Cosentino and I was Sam Cosentino Jr. So that's that's how it really became. Oh. But it's Samuel, for whatever reason, I guess we further anglicized it. Okay, and, that, and that's that's how how it became. But honestly, so, like most everyone in the business, Sammy, Sammy, cause, cause, whatever, whatever it is, there's like we just we just kind of go with the flow, right? Yes, of course. So, all right, no, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. So you're a junior, though. You're I'm junior. a junior. Yeah, you're junior. Yeah, both my brothers, their their sons are juniors of them. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm very used to. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick McMorrow, Liam McMorrow, Junior, Junior, right? Nice. So yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool, Sammy, that you're a junior. But but do you do you ever go by Junior, or no? Never. No, my grandfather passed in 1999, so you know it was obviously a long time ago. And even at that time, some of my family members would call me that, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really a thing. It was never really a thing, and you know, like he made his mark in the construction business. And so I guess, you know, being a junior or whatever in, in the business that we're in, probably there might've been some people that say, oh, he's just on the coattails of, of a senior, whoever that senior was, grandfather, father, whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of thankful that it never really became a thing other than within some of the close circles of, the, of our family. Um, and that 
you know, I guess allowed me to try and try and establish my own mark or make my own mark, you know? Yes. And you know what? I, I never really looked at it that way, Sam. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The only thing with, with, with my brothers, though, and their kids is that both my brothers are absolute superstars. So the, the kids got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. But you, Sammy. For, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, dude, yeah. In the intro, you know, you did mention that um, th- that we do know some of the same people. And the funny thing is, buddy, is that your company, Sportsnet, okay, you guys, man, you work with some really talented individuals, right? Like you you work with – they're all leaders and go-getters and, and, and pretty much icons at this point. Like there's like an all-star lineup at your work. Okay, and the re- then that's part of the reason why I think y- your company is best represented for for my guests on my show. So you know we're gonna start with guys like Mr. Ken Reed, Mr. Yeah. Ken Reed, idol of mine, former guest. You got Mr. Michael Fuda, idol of mine, former guest. Mr. A. Stu, Anthony Stewart, yeah. younger than me, idol of mine, former guest. Caroline Cameron, okay, not a guest yet. But I sat beside her, dude, the whole day at the primetime sports entertainment. Oh, yeah, conference. cool. Yeah, yeah. I sat beside her in the front row because Trevor let me have a front row seat the whole day. But I was so starstruck that I didn't say one word to Caroline the whole day. I, but I was analyzing and watching and admiring and all the professional stuff going on. It, it was incredible. Like, you know what I mean? And But, dude, but look, see all those names I mentioned, Sammy? I, they're, they're, they're idol of mine, a former guest. But you, Mr. Sam, dude, I'm, remember what I said in, 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 the, in the opening? Energy, ability to entertain, knowledge, passion and love for the game, ability to animate. You are like the blueprint for sports entertainment, my friend. Wow. And that's why – no, I'm being serious. I and that's that. why – yeah, man, that's why it's such an honor to have you on my show because, man, I, I was lucky enough to have, like, the Michael Landsberg on here. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And, and he said it best, Sam. He goes, a person that's able to bring a story to life is going to be successful in this business. And that's what you do, my friend. Well, I and, appreciate that. Oh, yeah, I, no problem. I got to tell you, like, some people I think might be surprised by my work now that they're seeing me do NHL games. But I think if you go back and you talk to my colleagues from, you know, Pete Labardius and, and producers, Rob Cortez now running things for, for Sportsnet in terms of the, the live production um, and the number of people I worked with, I feel like my work really hasn't changed. Like the number one, I, I never refer to it as work. So, you know, a boss might call me and say, Hey, I was, oh, that was a good job you did in the week. And my usual response is I had a blast. I loved it. And it's not about work. It's about, I try and make it fun. And so, you know, when we um, were doing, well, I was going across the country doing junior games, whether it was RJ Broadhead or Pete Lubardius or Rob Falls and Rob Falls was kind of the common thread between those guys was, we would we would have a blast, and what was kind of cool is like that job. You kind of called your own shots. You traveled when you wanted to travel. You went where you went. No one kind of cared what you were doing. They didn't pay attention to what you were doing, um, and and we did a 
an amazing job. And I think with limited resources, we were able to put together a broadcast on many nights that was akin to what NHL people would do with less than half the resources. So, but wow. at the end of every game and the end of every road trip, I, we'd come home and be like, oh my gosh, I would tell people all the time, and this is a true story, this is the best gig in sports. You got people who welcome you into their building. You got coaches who want you there. You got players that want to talk to you. You got people that want to help promote themselves and will talk to you and give you information. And you can go and sit in just about any coach's office of the 60 teams in the CHL and be welcomed with open arms. You can't do that in the National Hockey League. Everyone's so guarded. There's injuries. There's this, that. So I felt for the for the 15 years I got to do it, I had the best job in sports. And I told a lot of people that throughout worked on our shows and then they went on to do other things. And they were like, dude, you were right. Like it was like, it was low pressure, lots of fun, good travel, totally professional, um, yet not that someone staring over your shoulder like it's an NHL gig. So I've tried to carry that forward into having fun into the job I'm doing now in the studio with Carolyn and Stu and David Amber and, you know, Futes and, Stu and you know, all of a, all the rest of our people. And I'm having fun with it right now. Yeah, man, for sure. Ryan Leslie was was another one that I forgot <laughs> to say. Yeah, he's Ryan a beauty. Leslie. He yeah. is and, a beauty. And, and that's even on my notes. I'm just so excited right now that I just <laughs> I just I just skipped Ryan's name. So sorry, Ryan. I'm hoping that he listens now that he's been a guest. He's got to listen to the show, right? <laughs> but but yeah, dude. I mean, so so what you're referring to is like like the the gig that you started in 1998 with with, with uh, the color commenting on on Rogers TV for the OHL broadcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. So I did games in Brampton. I did games in Mississauga. We had another side hustle doing some games with like a half-assed radio station in Barrie. Um, and then it kind of morphed into doing games into Toronto when St. Mike's moved down there. Mm -hmm. So so I worked with a whole bunch of different people. I mean, Dan Dunleavy's in Buffalo. John Abbott is doing games on, on TSN. He's done NHL games. And wow, it was an unbelievable crew. And uh, I think about Doug Anderson, you know, rest in peace, Dougie, was an awesome guy to work with yeah. who had a very successful career doing the, the World Strongman competitions. Uh, but there's a whole host of people that I worked with that went on to, to massive, massive things. Pete Labardius, my my former partner's, you know, Calgary Flames uh, color analyst. So it's, um, it's pretty neat, man, that it all kind of goes back to those times of doing games locally, you know? Yes. I think I figured it out where where I first saw you, Sam. Uh -oh. The St. Michael's Hockey <laughs> Arena. Yeah. I am lucky enough that I have a mother that wanted me to go there so bad that applied for me behind my back because she knew I wouldn't want to go. And I ended up getting accepted. Feuda was the guy that wrote a reference letter for me. No and way. Yeah, because that's when he was coaching and stuff. And yeah. I actually attended St. Mike's for my grade 10 and part of my grade 11, before I transferred to a Pickering High School, because I played for a Tier 2 team, Junior Pickering Panthers, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to the school the first year that the St. Michael's Majors were in the OHL. I am such a big fan, Sam. Like, I'm such a big fan of the game, of all sports. Like, I'm a former yeah. player, but I'm a bigger fan. And I tell all my guests this, because I'll have guys on... That I'm like such a big like starstruck hockey fan of right of like a player right and man so I'm such a big fan that I thought it was so cool that my school had an OHL team. Can yeah. you imagine? 
my school has an OHL team. So I would see the players in the hallways. I, I would see how they would like talk to people and you know what I mean? And, and I looked up to all of them, man. And, and the team wasn't even good, but I thought they were all gods, right? I had a couple of them in my classes. Like Chris Cava was in my math class. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Remember Kaz? Imagine him yeah. being in your math class. Yeah. He would just go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, man. Our, 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 my, my, um, my, I was going to say coach, our teacher, Mr. John, he was like, he was like the basketball coach. Right. And, and so he was like a sports guy and he understood. He just left him alone, man. It, it was his choice. At least he showed up for class. You know what I mean? But like, but yeah, man, like, yeah. So that's where I saw you, bro. You guys had like a little, little the stage set up and stuff. Right. Yeah. When, yeah, man. But I probably sat and like creeped you guys out for hours and watched you guys. You know what oh, I mean? Like yeah. I would stay after school, watch games. Like, yeah, bro, I was all into it, Sam. So I definitely saw you doing your performance, doing that stuff, man. So I went there in grade nine. You okay. went to St. Mike's too? I went to St. Mike's for one year in grade nine before I transferred back to Philip Pocock um, in Mississauga. So what was oh. cool about that is we had, we had, you know, we had a, we had a good team and we, it wasn't a full junior team, but it was basically a grade nine team. And on that team was Wes McCauley. No okay. way. Yeah. yeah. Sean, sorry, Shannon Finn. Okay. So Ron Finn, remember the NHL liney? Yeah. He had sons, um, Sean and Shannon and Shannon was our grade, same as Wes and Wes and, Sh and, uh, and, Sh and, uh, Shannon were cousins. Okay. So I, I played with those guys and we had a, we had a really good team. So it was kind of neat for me to come back, you know, whatever those eight years later and, and do games there, whatever, like that was kind of a cool thing for me. Uh, but that building, you know, having played there, uh, even before that, you know, the Canadian Italian hockey league, which is, I was a stick boy. My dad coached in that league and wow. we played and, and won a, won a cup there. They call it the, the Tony Bennett cup. Yeah, so we won the cup there back in '84. So, like it, that building has a lot of special memories from there because I I watched a lot of those Canadian Italian hockey league games and was a stick boy and then ended up broadcasting games there and playing there. So it's pretty cool, man. That the fact that you went to school there it's such a story yeah. history of of you know players that have come through there, coaches and so on and so forth. Um, that I was able to be a part of broadcasting games there kind of at the start for me, you know. Yeah, dude. No, the, it's it's super cool. And the thing about that arena is it was so compact oh, that yeah. like you could hear you guys on the other side of the arena, right? So I wouldn't even have to. It's it's Sorry, funny somebody... you say that because we're in there one night. Dan Dunleavy and I are calling the game, and Dan Carcillo comes across the ice and absolutely destroys Matt Howell's truck. Like I mean. You could have called it a charge, interference, cross-check. Rearranged all of Matt's face. Like, stick up, middle of the ice, caught him at full speed. Near, I thought he was I thought he was in some serious peril. It was and a mid-ice hit? What's that? A mid-ice check? Yeah, not a clean one, though. Okay. Yeah. No, no, but, but, but it wasn't against the boards. It was no, mid-ice mid of the ice. Yeah. And so, you know, Dan had been in some trouble already with a couple of suspensions at that time and you know he was known as a bit of a dirty player in his junior days and yeah so Dan Dunleavy my partner basically called him out and said you know that was dirty you know that should long time suspension la 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 and as you say you could hear what was going on in the rink 
So as the game's going on, a couple of couple of dudes come over and they sit down close to us in the booth and game ends. And now these guys are yelling at Dan. Dan and I, like more so Dan, because he he had called it and they must have heard of what he said, right? And he wasn't on the line for saying it. They were, they were Carcillo's boys? Carcillo's boys. And so they we come out of the booth and Dan Dunleavy said, You want to fight? What I said wasn't wrong, but if you want to fight, I'll take you one at a time. I'm not going to fight two dudes here, like whatever. And so it got escalated. There's a lot of swearing and kind of went off the rails there for a little bit, but it never turned into fisticuffs or anything like that. But I only say that story because when you were there, you could hear what was going on in the rink from the broadcast booth because the rink was so small. And that almost got got us in a bunch of shit one night. Um, you know, when Dan Dunleavy was calling, calling the games and Dan, man, he was, he was serious as a heart attack. He calls the games true and blue. He's got no bias, whatever else. Buffalo Sabres guy now. Um, yeah. I'm like, holy shit. I'm working for Rogers TV for like 40 bucks and a jacket. And I'm going to go home with my face rearranged for, <laughs> for broadcasting game. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it never escalated to that, but it was kind of interesting how that all came to came to fruition because someone surely heard what Dan and I were saying in the broadcast. Absolutely, man. And thanks for sharing that because that's, that's a pretty awesome <laughs> story, man. <Yeah. laughs> so Sammy, like I wanted to, like, I, I like to ask my guests about their beginnings because especially the ones that have a lot of character, because we got to figure out how this character was developed for Mr. Sam here. I got to figure this out. How, how you developed this character, how you do, how you turned into this character. So like I asked you before the recording, where exactly were you born? So you were, so, so you were born, you were born in Etobicoke, but grew up in Mississauga. Now, when did you move to Mississauga from Etobicoke? Oh, we were, we were young. We were, Oh geez. It was like two, three years old, probably. So I remember going to grade, I was probably grade one or two in Mississauga and, oh man. And then we moved to different parts of Mississauga throughout, but yeah, I was, it was young. And and the, I, I guess part of the reason why I was born there, I haven't really gone through this with my mom or dad, but like my dad's family and my mom's family, they were both from Etobicoke. So they had, their parents had grown up there and, and whatnot. And then we'd kind of, you know, I guess my dad wanted to kind of write his own path, so they we moved out into Mississauga and lived there, and just kind of moved to different parts of Mississauga. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool. Now, the one thing I definitely had to talk to you about, brother, was I guess as soon as you got into high school, you know, your love and passion for for the game of baseball got you a gig as as, as a bat boy for the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm a huge Blue Jays fan, man. So. Like, what exact years were these? Yeah, so it, it started in 1987. I was 16 years old. Uh, my best bud, Sean Travers, is still very heavily involved in the baseball scene in the Toronto area. Really good player in his day. Good quarterback. Like, awesome athlete. Football player, basketball guy, whatever. Um, he had been working there for a year. And then someone had left. And so because Sean and I were so tight and best buds, he suggested that I be the guy to, to go and interview for the job. And I ended up getting the job and it worked out pretty good because we lived pretty close to each other. And so basically we'd go, we'd go to school and then we would uh, play, you know, go to football practice 
hop in the car. And at that time, our high school was uh, was in Etobicoke. It was Mississauga. It was Philip Pocock, but it was located in Etobicoke while they rebuilt the school. And so we'd hop literally in the 427, and we'd race down to the ballpark, try and get there for, you know, 5 o'clock. And we'd be, we were the, the bat boy and the ball boy for the visiting team at an old Exhibition Stadium. So you'd, you'd be old enough, but not by much, to remember Exhibition Stadium. You're like in, what are you, in um, 84 I'm born, a, 80, 80 born? I'm, a, I'm an 82. 82 guy. Okay, yeah. so you're an 82 guy. So 77, the Jays came. They played at Exhibition yep. Stadium. You know, you'd have been five when when you kind of know what was like the team would have been five years old when you were born, whatever. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I did that for until 1990, I got an offer to play football at Acadia university as a, as a, D, a defensive back. And I, I was so skinny, man. I was like 140 pounds. I'm like, I'm going to get killed if I go play football in university. What position, and, what position were you playing? Yeah. Defensive back. Uh, okay. I was, I was an okay football player, but probably not, deserve it enough to get recognition but i got a letter from you know sonny wolf was the coach here at acadia they recruited me to come play whatever and I, I i wanted to play baseball so in the summers when we weren't working with the blue jays we were playing baseball in etobicoke and i got recruited there to go play at a little school and a little tiny school in michigan so i worked as a bat boy slash ball boy with the visiting team from 87 to 90 i went to school from 90 so i missed the all-star game in both world series just my luck Graduated in 94, came back, started teaching uh, teaching baseball with a good friend of mine, Denny Burney, who still runs a, an amazing pro-teach baseball program at Etobicoke. And then uh, baseball was on strike. So when they came back from the strike, late April of 95, teams were scrambling to find employees. The Blue Jays said, hey, come back. We need you to help out in the visiting clubhouse. I went back. I switched to the home clubhouse from 96 to 2002. And then my uh, my Blue Jays career ended then. So I, I had 12 years in various capacities with the Blue Jays. It was an amazing job. Amazing. That's pretty cool, man. One thing I want to touch up on is the whole title, Bat Boy, Ball yeah. Boy. Man, they got to change that, man. Because you guys have a really good, like, gig. I want you to explain exactly what it is. But from what I see, being a fan... I mean, you guys are like shoulder to shoulder with all the players. Oh, like, yeah. You really do help out a lot, it seems. Like, I don't know what they would do without you, right? Great. And Best you're called the Bat Boy? Come on, man. Yeah, you know what? I don't care. What do you think about that? I don't give a shit about title. <laughs> like, what, 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 would, what would they call me at sports? Like, no, I wouldn't even know what they would call me now. Like, analyst, whatever. Who gives a shit? Like, your job is your job, right? That's the way I look at it. So, it's the same premise applies to to me back then that job was it was the best job in the world we had so much what does fun. the bat boy do sammy so okay so there's so there's at that point there was two jobs so you have the ball boy which i was 90 percent of the time okay and at old exhibition stadium the bullpens were in the field of play meaning they were in foul territory the visiting bullpen was in the right field line but it was in the field of play so when the pitcher when the visiting pitcher got up to warm up the catcher would be with his back to home plate and the, the, the pitcher warming up would be throwing to him. And I'd stand behind that pitcher in case there was a, a foul ball, ground ball hit. I could either yell heads up or my job was to catch the ball so he wouldn't get hit. Yeah. And then when the visiting team would run out onto the field to warm up his arm for the inning, I would play catch with him. Okay. 
And then after the game, you'd be responsible for collecting all the shoes, cleaning all the cleats, polishing all the cleats, putting all the laundry away, folding all the towels, and making sure the clubhouse was perfectly clean for the next day. And then the whole day would start, out, start over again. So the, the bat boy's job was essentially the same thing. When a, when a ball was hit, he'd run out in the field, grab the bat so it wouldn't interfere with the, with the pace of play. If a bat cracked, he'd grab the new one and bring it out. If they needed pine tar or bat weights or whatever it was to, to help that player get ready in the on-deck circle, he'd have all that stuff there laid out. He'd pick up helmets or gloves or, you know, those wrist protectors or whatever it was. Um, and that was, that was kind of their job with the additional duties of doing the stuff pre-game and post-game. Wow, man. See, Wicked man, job. That's a, that's, a, that's a big job. That's a big responsibility. That, yeah, I respect kinda, that. It's kind of like your trainer in hockey, right? Like we yeah. would call them in baseball, you call them equipment managers. In hockey, they call them trainers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I have a lot of respect. And I know, like, I know a lot of them really well. And, in fact, I spend a lot of time. Shouldn't say a lot of time, but I always spend time whenever we were doing games. You'd always spend time with the with the trainer, the equipment manager, you know, for hockey, just saying hi, hey, what's up, just to let you know, like this is a job I used to do. What kind of machines do you got there? How many towels? How long are you here after the game? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I got a question for you, Sammy. So what were you guys? You you, you guys were wearing the uniform when you worked, right? Yeah. So you're wearing a Jays uniform, or were you wearing the visiting uniform? No, you wear the visiting uniform. So at that time, and it's obviously changed now, especially with COVID, but the there would be a bat boy bag. So that bag, so for example, if I'm the ball boy, I was wearing the Blue Jays because I was a, essentially employed by the Blue Jays and there was really no affiliation to the visiting team at that point. I would wear the Blue Jays uniform. But the bat boy would have a bat boy bag, would have all kinds of different belts, different size pants, different size helmets, jerseys, and whatever else. And that bag would travel to the next city and wherever whoever, wherever it landed, whatever the size the bat boy was, he'd dig through the bag and he would have the visiting uniform. Wow, man. So that was that one of the one of the biggest perks? Because was that well you never get coolest... to keep it. You, you like the, the hat You must have been able to keep one of them. The hats you could keep, right? Yeah. Because that was kind of a personal item. Yeah, uh, but never got to keep the uniforms. I, I suppose if you asked for it, they yeah, yeah, said, yeah, 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 or whatever. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't really about that. It was just about. Yeah, the I know, I know. So it's kind of like you, you get the hat of the visiting team was kind of the thing, you know. Yeah. So I guess. And in those days, they didn't wear like we didn't we didn't wear helmets until a little bit later. When I first started there, you're just you're just wearing a hat, right? Like just a cap. What I was getting at with the uniforms is. You must have been working when there was uh, bench clearing brawls, no? Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you get involved, man, wearing the uniform? No, dude. No. I was 104 pounds. Like, <laughs> could a good you fart would have knocked. Good could fart would have knocked though? me over. <laughs> but you could know. you have though? No, not really. Or like, like, how does that work? Did, did the staff and everything? Like, like the managers and pitching coaches, they're all running out there. But are like the medical staff? Are they staying back? Or like what's no, going on? The, no, it's just just uniform people. And like, <laughs> I, you, I mean, I guess if I if I was a bit older and I looked the part, yeah, I sure as hell older. didn't look the part. You probably could have gone in there and yeah. done a few. But, but listen, it's not like hockey, man. Hockey, there's two dudes or a bench clearing brawl and people are throwing. In baseball, they they all run out. They're all big, 
Hey, look at me, look at me. And they don't throw any punches. It's Sometimes soft. they do, though. Sometimes. Ah, once in a blue moon. Once um, in a blue moon. We had, we had a dust-up with uh, – Gene Nelson was pitching for Oakland at the time, and Toronto and Oakland had a pretty good rivalry back in the late 80s. You know, they – they played each other in 88 when it got down to the wire. 89, they played against each other in the ALCS. I think again in 90, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So there was a pretty good rivalry, and they were a big team. You know, Carney Lansford was at third base. Canseco was there. McGuire was there. Yeah. Um, Dave McKay was was one of their base coaches. He was a big dude into the to working yeah. out and all that stuff. And, Plus, and this so, is the peak of the steroid era, too. Yeah, it was. And I remember right? G- Let's be honest, G- Nelson like- hit George Bell. And George Bell lost his shit, and he went to the mound, and they, there was a huge scrap. And Gene Nelson had, like, you know, basically just above shoulder-length hair. And I remember cleaning Nelson's shoes after, and his hair was in mucked in with the dirt and stuff because George ripped him down by his hair, and it was a, it, that was probably the nastiest fight that I'd seen in baseball. But cleaning out the, the cleats after the game, you, you know, you're knocking knocking hair out of the, out of the cleats, oh, right? Was so George was Bell a big dude? George Bell was strong. He he was probably like a six foot, six foot one guy, maybe one hundred ninety. Yeah, okay. one ninety five maybe. Okay. But he was strong as an ox, man. He was strong as an ox, and he like was a little. He was a little crazy. Um, unbelievable okay. guy though. Like when he was dialed in, and when he was playing, when he was at the height of his career, he would he could be difficult at times. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you got him away from the field or after the game when he wasn't in the middle of that intense competition, he was an unbelievable guy. Really good golfer, really cool guy, really in tune with what was what was going on around him. But uh, in the heat of the battle, he was he was not always a fun guy to be around. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. He's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of the best Blue Jays, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, him and Donaldson, I think, are the only two MVPs. You know, they got a couple Cy Young winners in, in Roy Holiday and, and Hankin and... Uh, Clemens and Clemens a couple of times in '97 and '98. So uh, Robbie Ray now can can be yeah Robbie that Ray list right. So yeah, I mean he he would be there. George would be there for sure. The '87 MVP that that great run with those teams. You know when they won in '85, um, again in '87 when they blew it down the stretch to Detroit. Back in '89 was still pretty good. '90 you know, all so yeah he he was a, he was an unbelievable guy George. So now the, the other thing I was going to ask you is like, man, because we're on the, we're on the topic right now, how disappointing must have th- this whole um, him leaving after winning the Cy Young man, like, you know what I mean? Like just, just recently, like how disappointing is that, that, that Robbie Ray signing, what do you sign with Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. It's listen. Come man, on, man. I know it's business. Dude, come on, dude. man. Come on. You just dude. won the Cy Young. Who gives a shit? If you're in that position, where are you going? No, but how come the Blue Jays couldn't step up and sign well, the guy? Okay, what that's, I'm a, saying. that's a different question altogether. Yeah, no, that's, you're that's Robbie. The question. That's the question. Yeah, I, I think they well, Why wouldn't they? It's a great question, and maybe they didn't want to go the term or the length. I mean, I'm not in tune with the baseball like I once was. Yeah. Um, but they felt maybe that there was a better, a little less expensive option with some with some lower term with, with Barrios and you know, but, and, and maybe they thought guy, they might get the hometown discount with Ray because of Pete Walker and you know, whatever. It didn't, it didn't play out, but it's, you know, a, a lot of times in those situations, if you're the agent, you're playing it up like, Hey, Toronto's a great city. 
pitching coach there is the best. He turned my client around. He got him a Cy Young. They're going to offer us big money, and you and you leverage it, right? And if you can leverage it into a longer term deal with more money, where are you going? Yeah, no, I hear you. No, I'm going to Seattle. But what what made it hard for me was when I saw what the Jays signed. How do you pronounce the name? Is it Bezos? Who's the pitcher? Yeah, Berrios, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. The the contracts of him and Robbie Ray with Seattle aren't far off, man. It's like. And again, I don't know the analytics part of it. So so Berrios, I want to say, is probably younger, probably has a little bit more track record than Robbie. Uh, again, I'd have to go through it, and, and I'm speaking a little bit out of school because I'm not in tune with the baseball like I used to be. You um, sound like you're the, the judge execution. You sound like you know it all, buddy. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, I mean, there must have been something there where they felt that they were getting a better yeah. quality or maybe more longevity with, with yeah. Reels, you know? Right on, buddy. Right on. I had to ask about that, though. So yeah, so so I mean, it all started. It all started just with that. It's, that's, I think it's funny every time I say it. Bat boy position, yeah. right? I just think you guys should be called like maybe like bad executive. The bat <laughs> executive is here. Executive <laughs> bat person, or I don't know, man, <laughs> something else other than bat boy. But well, but yeah. So in today's day and age, it's probably bat person that would be the more oh, accepted yeah. term, I think, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right, my yep. friend. You're absolutely right. So now I want to talk about your family a little bit, Sam, because I want to get back to this whole character issue that I've been blabbering about. So now can, can you just can you describe your immediate family? Like what, what do you got siblings wise, mom, dad? Yeah, so my mom and dad, they got divorced uh, when I was five years old. My Both of them remarried, and at times they get along, and at times they don't. Uh, yep. I have one younger brother who's uh, an amazing guy, an amazing father, really good example. His kids are a lot older than mine, even though he's he's younger. Um, and, that, and that's kind of it. We were just, that, 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 you know, this is us, as they say. And So, so just you now, and your bro. Yep, that's it. Right on, he, He's a real character. He's a funny guy. He's a, he's an amazing, like an amazing person. He's really well rounded. He's he likes sports, but he, you know, he bakes bread and he's into IT and um, like an amazing father and does a lot of outdoor stuff, gardening and planting. You know, he runs, grows his own shit. You know, like he's he's an, he's an unbelievable guy. So uh, and and it's funny because I want to say, oh my God, my I I don't know the years. But you were in Mississauga for a little while, right? A short, short time. Yeah, I, I was in Mississauga j- just for the one season. It was yeah. the year that Spezza was rated to either go first or second. It was going to be yeah. either him or Kovalchuk. And, and he wanted to trade out of Mississauga because yeah. he wanted to be on a good team so he can go first overall. Yeah. And we all got traded that year, man. McGratton was on the team. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, man. We had, we, were, we had a lot of good players on that team. Rick so Vibe my, was the coach. My brother... Might have been at that time, maybe a bit earlier. Might have been when Grapes was still coaching, but um, he re- used to run the music there at the at the Hershey Center. Oh, so, wow! You know, but you know the warm up music and in yeah. between whistles and all that kind of stuff. So he did that for yeah. for a few years. So that was cool. We got to work together, quasi work together for a little bit. So that was that was pretty cool. Now let me ask you this: that arena at the time called the Hershey Center, state of the art place for junior hockey like 
I thought I was playing in the NHL when I played for the Mississauga Ice Dogs because of the dressing room that Grapes like invested in. Man, there was this weight room. There was a sauna, cold tub, hot tub. Yeah, like, like it was like it was like they had the same the, the the same things as the AHL, NHL. Like it seemed like it, it was so ahead of its time, and it just seemed like the Hershey Center was just such a nice arena, like just nice and symmetric. And then you got all the suites, and, and I, I remember the, the the games that Don would come to, they'd be like oh. a a crowd of people. Yeah, you, you just see a mob of people. It'd be like. What's going on over there? Oh, that's oh oh Don Cherry's over there. <laughs> yeah, right. It was pretty cool times, man. Like like our our team wasn't good. The, yeah. the team only won three games that year. I got out before Christmas. I got out like a week after Spezza got out. Like they Where'd you go? The, I okay. Well, I ended up going. I I ended up in London, but they traded yeah. me to Kingston. I was yeah. in Kingston for two weeks, and then the yeah. Hunters got me from Kingston. But they told me that they were trying to get me from Mississauga, but they, but I guess Mississauga just wanted more, and it just worked out where Kingston offered more, and then London just got me from Kingston. Oh no way! Oh, and then I ended cool. up with the Hunters for a couple seasons. Yeah. Ah, uh, interesting. Well, Kingston's a great, well, two two great towns. I mean, I think yeah. Kingston's an amazing town, and I think the the most you know, London's one of my favorite junior cities there is. It's it has that many NHL feel, especially when they built the the Bud Gardens, which is you know John Labatt Center at the time, but the Bud Gardens now, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, that's two two pretty good cities to play in. Yeah, and then the thing with London is that was like Corey Perry was the underager. But my, my last year I was there. So that was when they were just starting their, yeah. like, just, you know, set game of the team of the century type status. Like it was, it was just getting to that group. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Paris was, 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 I, I like, that was, I guess the first year of, of that group because, you know, Corey Perry and, you know, Dylan Hunter and, yeah. and uh, Stedman, who's now an assistant yeah, coach. Steady, yeah. um, uh, Dennis Weidman was there. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Mr. Rick Nash was there as well. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot of good players, man. Right? Oh, it, it's incredible. And, and, and you got to see them all play, Sam, doing that gig, eh, with Rogers? Like, oh, you got you to see – and you got to interview. Like, like, man, that's – now that I'm thinking about it, that's probably the ideal job to have before you, you know, get into, like, bigger things like you're doing now, right? It's, a, it's an amazing job. How like did I, you get it? How did you get that gig? Like, well, I mean, I I've been. What doing was the process stuff. for it? Yeah, so I've been doing stuff locally with Rogers, and I knew I wanted to take a step forward, but I didn't know how that was going to play out. And and Dan Dunleavy, who I was working with at the time, we were doing games in Brampton together, and uh, so it's kind of at that time TSN was doing the World Juniors, but Sportsnet ended up picking the pre-tournament games, so it was a split. And so between what regional NHL games they had and the World Juniors, they had crews all over the place. So Dan Dunleavy was was tabbed to call a junior game in Brampton, and they said to Dan, who do you want to work with? He says, well, I work with Sam all the time. You guys might not know him, but that's who I would feel most comfortable with. Yeah. So we ended up working out a deal for a game. And then at that time, you'll remember a guy by the name of John Bruce. You remember Bruce? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So so Drucer was doing the games, and unfortunately he had a daughter who was ill, and it forced him at times to miss games even as as late as the last minute. So Pete Lubardius was was calling the games regularly for Sportsnet at that time, and 
and I got paired up with Pete on a couple of occasions, once in an AHL game in Hamilton, and another time we ended up going to the to the dub to do a game in Kelowna, and and it just kind of worked out that I was John Drews's fill-in. And then after the 05 Memorial Cup, John, um, you know, he, he returned home to Peter Rowe to be with his ill daughter at the time. And uh, they came to me and said, hey, how would you like to, to do some games? And I said, well, that would be cool. And, and I just kind of transitioned from doing Blue Jays and score and a lot of piecemeal work into, into just kind of working for Sportsnet. So now, when I was doing my research, like, you were doing multiple things at the same time, right? Oh, like, as yeah. far as hockey and baseball, right? Like, like I know the seasons aren't exactly aligned, but they do overshadow. Yeah, for sure. So in 99, I got hired by the SCORE television network. So I was voicing highlights and doing some, you know, some baseball analysis. But I was still working for the Blue Jays. So my job at that time was assistant manager of the Blue Jays. I would work spring training. And then I would work all the home games and I would take maybe one road trip a year. And so the score, I was working as a freelancer. I would be the guy whose voice you'd hear behind the highlights. And they worked around my Blue Jays schedule. And um, when the team was at home, I was with the Blue Jays. When the team went on the road, I went and worked at the score. And that's kind of, I was able to do kind of both things at the time. And then when I transitioned full time over to, to, to Sportsnet, they added some lacrosse games. Um, you know, I, I went over on a CHL deal, but they added lacrosse games and then they added baseball games after. And I was, I was doing everything at that time. It's crazy. Sammy, Sammy, just because you mentioned lacrosse just now, did you see that oh. goalie fight, bro? The lacrosse yes. goalie fight, the Rochester Nighthawks. Tarps off. Whoever. Yeah, man. Yeah, but yeah. like, I think that the interesting thing about it was, I think one of the participants in that combat was the backup goalie that came off the bench, no? <laughs> was it I really? Think so. <laughs> yeah, man. The guy that like was like, oh, let's go, man. Like, I think he came off because it was it was when the game finished, I think. And oh, there was like really? a skirmish. Yeah, man. There was the skirmish. I think the tough guys were like about to go. Like that's what they show in the beginning of the video. And then all of a sudden you see these guys like taking off their helmet. <laughs> I, I think it was the backup goalie challenged the starting goalie from the other side. And 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 the starting goalie is like, all right, you want it? Let's rock. Amazing. And, and, oh man, that's because I know that. Like, I mean, hockey fighting's obviously changed, and yeah, you know, you, you'll have Sam, you'll have hockey fights now where like, you know, the guys are both willing combatants, and because they don't like clutch on fast enough, the re- the linesman will get in there and break it up, and like, yeah. you know what I mean? Where where before they would just. Let them fight it out. Let them get it all out of their systems. <laughs> you would hear the commentators say, like Sammy, it looks like they're letting it get them out of their system. Like Rick Jenneret <laughs> talking about Rob Ray. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, man, it's ever changed. So when you see that, like that that was entered, that was pretty entertaining, man. Oh, Two man. guys willing to do it. No one got hurt. I'm sure the next day they were hurt. But they weren't yeah. hurt at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because nope. yeah, you go back in your day and you were, you know, that was a big, big part of, of your role and it was in your in your pro career. So if you go back at that time, like things everything was just so much different, right? We didn't know what we know now about concussions and yeah, you know, the the drug abuse and and you know, some of the things that were happening behind the scenes with the trainers and that sort of thing. So we're in a better spot in terms of education now. Yeah. Um, 
but man, it was just a different time. And when guys fought, they fought, they were pissed and yeah. they, they fought, you know, it wasn't now like, Hey, hugging a kiss, great fight, put on a show, see you later. Like I, I at least had the impression that they were playing for keeps in those days. Oh yeah. No, 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 Sam, you know, you know obviously I have to add to this, right? So now, okay. So yes, we're in a better place. We know exactly, we know so much more about our brains and our bodies and, and the way things are. Now, at the same time, society has also changed. And I believe, Sam, and I want you to comment on this. I believe that sports has also changed with society. Sam, what would happen when you were five years old and your mother or father were to smack you a little bit because you were misbehaving at the dinner table? What what would happen to your mother or father? Nothing, right? Nothing. Yeah. What would happen to parents now if they did that? Well, they probably would probably to... spend a night in jail and yeah. CIS might take their kid, yeah. right? Yeah. Society has changed. You, you, We had the Broad Street bullies. We had brawls in hockey yeah. all the time. Now that we have the 24-hour sports net that does, you know, like repeat, repeat, highlights every hour, every hour. They can't show that kind of violence on TV all day, man. Society's just changed. It would have to be like a pay-per-view now in order yeah. to show that. But the game, the game, like in terms of hockey, though, hockey's changed a lot too, right? Hockey's changed a lot too. Yeah. And, and, and Sammy, the other, the, so, so like, okay, so there's that aspect. But the other aspect I wanted to ask you was, I've talked, I've had a lot of ex-tough guys on my show, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I like I, I find that I, I can talk a lot with them. We both know how it was and we're able to have a very good conversation about it, especially the guys that I fought and played against and stuff. Right. But I, but it's usually guys that are like 10, 15 years older yeah. than me that I'm getting on. So now the guys like George LaRock, you know what I mean? So, you know, so I believe that the NHL could have done things differently that wouldn't have caused people suing them, lawsuits, this, that, the other. I believe that if the players had more protection, like here's one example. In hockey, you know this, Sam, because you've been around you know, major junior and pro hockey teams for a long time now. You know how many coaches are on each team. You know that, especially with hockey, let's break it down. With hockey, there's the head coach, like three, four assistant coaches, and then you got the video coach. You got the strength and conditioning coach. You have the goalie coach. You even have a face-off coach that will come in a couple times a week. You'll have sometimes you'll have like a body checking, a power skating coach. There's all these coaches. There's two goalies on every team. Sam, all the way up to 2010, was there not two tough guys on every roster in the NHL and AHL? Oh boy. Two thousand and ten, the Buffalo Sabers sure did. That was my organization. Yeah. So what my point is, Sam, is that if you had at least two guys on your roster that did a role on the team, like a goalie, like like anything else, why was there nobody that oversaw those guys? How come they didn't have a guy? You didn't have to call him the fighting coach, but it could yeah. have been like. A team advisor, but it was the guy that took care of the guys that did the role, and he would also be able to say, "Look, man, 
this guy is starting to act really crazy. I think something's going on with his head. Even if we didn't know about the concussion stuff back then, at least there would have been someone protecting the guys. Someone to teach them how to hold their fists so they don't break their hands. Someone yeah. to teach them how to break falls so they don't, you know, hurt their elbows. So Someone to, to help them be more defensive to avoid getting concussions. Some kind of help, man. You know how popular that player was. Ticket sales, you know, team jerseys. Those players were very good for the teams and for the league and for the game. And I believe they were left out to dry. I believe they could have had, and trust me, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I believe that there could have been something implemented where once a player reached five fighting majors, Sam, then he qualified for a special type of insurance because he's putting his body more at risk than his teammate beside him on the bench. I believe there could have been so many ideas, man, and that would have avoided guys wanting to to sue the NHL this and being big lawsuit and let's join the lawsuit. No, they protected us. We had this insurance. We had our coach, right? Very, very. Uh, it's interesting, and I think always at, at that time that those players, players like yourself, they weren't. They were looked at in the same vein as those who produced, or those who, hey, you're defensive defenseman, offensive defenseman, your number one goalie, your first PP guy, your PK guy, whatever else. They were just looked at differently, and they were looked at differently probably because, for the most part, they didn't play the same minutes, and there wasn't a tangible impact that they had in the game. So, for example. Sean McMorrow might have gotten 10 fights and might have changed the, the momentum in, in a game 10 times in which you were able to come back and win those games. But there's nothing tangible that ever said that would happen. It wasn't like you on Robbie paper. Shrimp's teammate who went out and got three points and you won a 6-5 game and he had three goals and two assists. So at that point, they were almost those types of players were kind of left to their own devices. And they were a special breed. And no one ever thought, but because that's the skill they possessed, that thought that they might go on, that they should receive maybe the same attention. And and I think the, generally they thought, well, this is something that's happened in hockey for 10 years before me. It's probably going to happen 10 years beyond me. So this is what I'm going to do too. And it, yeah. it really wasn't thought of more than that. that that's, that's my opinion. You know, there's nothing, you know, factual to, to, to back that up. But I, but, that's kind of the impression I have in, in being around the game. Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing that, Sam. Um, one example that really that really strikes to me is the Derek Bugard story. Did did you see that documentary? I don't even I don't know if it was a documentary movie, but but it was it was on the boogeyman and it just like it, it had like a narrator and it had like all like the the, the real footage of his fights and, and then interviewing his brother. and th- th- Did you see that? I haven't, and I've been meaning okay. to watch it. Okay. You know, you know, a couple of young kids and whatnot. There's actually yeah. a big – I really enjoy my sports documentaries. Yeah. And that's something that I, that I really, really want to see. Uh, I haven't yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the story based on what I've seen through the media so far. Obviously, those things go into a lot more detail. Yeah. I'm vaguely familiar with the story of, of Steve Montador. I know his dad, Paul, a little bit. Um, and so that's a very a very sad and cautionary tale in and of itself. Um, and so, yeah, the, 
those things are really difficult to reconcile. And it's interesting because like, it's funny, we had this conversation, so you're going to appreciate this. We had a conversation when um, Lemieux bit... Claude? Or Mario? No, no. no. Um, his boy there. Uh, oh, it's just, his name. You said Lemieux, here. though. Which Lemieux? His son. Plays for oh. LA Kings. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? I did 100 of his games in Barry. It's just, I'm having a brain fart right now. But anyways, when he bit um, in the fight. Ottawa. Um, it was Kachuk, Captain. Brady. Kachuk, yeah. Right. So there was a debate there after how many games is he going to get? And there was a precedent set maybe 10 years earlier. It was like two games or whatever else. So I was on with Futes that night, and I was on with David Amber. Yes, I remember. And David Amber's like, wow, this thing's going to be huge. And Futes is like, well, I'm not going to comment. I'm like, it's two games. He bit him. And so people are looking at me like, what are you talking about? This is, this is like he committed murder. And I'm like, wait a sec. So take your hockey mentality out of it. They just stood there and punched each other in the face for two minutes. That's perfectly fine. That's okay. And now somebody bites somebody else, and it's like he committed murder. <laughs> yeah. No, but 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 no, but think about that for a second. Yeah. You're like, bashing dude, you, someone's head in. If you it's went as you far around the corner from your house, wherever you went to the bar and went and punched someone in the face for two minutes, what would happen to you? You'd go to At prison. And you know what happened? Yeah. If the guy, while you were kicking the crap out of him, bit you, what do you think would happen to him? But in hockey, dear God, you can't bite him. Or my, oh, my God, he actually – I'm like, dude, you just sat there and punched him in the face for five minutes. What do you mean? And you're going to go get a five-minute rest, but you bit someone, you're going to get suspended for five games? Yeah. So, so again, it's not that I'm against fighting and, and, and all that. Like, I do think there's still a place in the game for it. You know, some of that stuff that happened back, at, back in the day, that the senseless stuff, there's no need for that, in my no. opinion. No. But – People sometimes get so caught in the hockey track that you don't think about what just happened. Hey, right on. We're going to allow each other to give each other multiple opportunities to give someone a concussion. Yeah. But someone's going to bite someone, and that's the worst thing that happened in that five minutes. Yeah. yeah the, the thinking's flawed. Yeah. What had happened if Lemieux had caught to Chuck really good right in the kisser to Chuck Buckles and hits his head on the ice? You tell me. Right? It's a lot worse than getting getting a bite out of in the heat of the moment when they're and trying what, to probably people do said? this and, and do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're probably just getting really dirty right at the end because it was all it was all like war, all yeah. at war. Right? And he probably like, just just no, no, one little if he bite. Had hit man. his head on the ice, people would have said, Oh my god, that was so unfortunate. He caught him with a great punch. Yeah, he just caught him with a good one. He caught him with a good one, <laughs> but, but he, bit him. Yeah. yeah. And again, <laughs> I don't think we know all sides to that story. Like what was Kachuk doing? Was he raking him in the eye? Did he have yeah. a finger in his mouth? Yep. Was he fish hooking? That's right. We don't, Could it be? and I'm not saying that's what happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's part of the story that we don't have a lot of clarity on. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. Go punch him in the face for two minutes, but don't let the guy bite you. Whatever you do, that's, that's <laughs> criminal. Like, I don't know. 
now, now just, just to add to that, Sammy, um, I did see a stat that, t- that Lemieux and his father, Claude, that they both have gotten suspended for biting. And that Brandon. they're the first son duo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's, it's true, though. Claude, he was nuts. He would do anything. Claude, to yeah. Brendan, Brendan is not a lot different. I don't think Brendan's as gifted as as Claude was in terms of yeah. his ability to score goals and put up points. Yeah, Brendan's. Yeah. I mean, he's doing okay, but sometimes but Claude was a twenty goal scorer, like wasn't he? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you are who you are, right? Like that's just who you are, and whether he's a liked guy or a disliked guy or whatever, you know, whatever Kachuk said about him. You know, I mean, a Kachuk would never bite somebody. He'd surely punch him in the face, but he would never bite him. How honorable of you, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, man, Sam. You know that that that's great. I'm I, I was so glad to get your opinion on that. So, dude, I I want to talk about I want to talk about primetime sports and entertainment. Okay, I want to talk about that. I I was really really impressed with you, brother. I I was so honored to get an invite by Trevor and Patrice. I've had yep. them both on as special guests. Trevor was my general manager with the Mississauga Ice yeah. Dogs, right? And, you know, Patrice used to come to every game, and that's when she first started playing hockey. And I guess, like, I was really nice to her and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I have a connection with both of them now. And, you know, I and I, I really I, – I was hearing about this conference. I was loving it. I was loving what it was about. I, I was seeing how there was, like, a new speaker every single day for, like, months. I'm like, how how many speakers? But like, how many big names could they possibly have? And, and I just thought it was so cool. And I was like, Trevor, how can I be a part of this? Like, can I volunteer? Can I help? He's like, yeah, you can be my security guard for the day. Come on down. And, like, because he knows I'm interested in the business. And, and he yeah. knows I want to learn, right? And, and so he did me a big favor, you know, put me on as the staff. You know, I had my staff thing, Sean McMorrow, Primetime Sports Entertainment. I was so proud, you know. And, you know, he, so, so I get to the conference, man. And right away I see Trevor, you know, boom. He's like, come, I'm going to invite you. To, I'm, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to Brian Burke. Like, Brian Burke. I'm like, oh, yeah. Right on. So we go, we, go, we go meet Brian Burke, who, like, to me is, like, after Don Cherry, it's like Brian Burke. You know what I mean? Like, like for as far as like, you know, like hockey personality. Right. And so like, so I thought it was so cool. You know, Brian pretended like he knew me and I thought that was cool too. And he's like, Oh yeah, I know Sean. You know what I mean? I'm like, really? You know what I mean? And then then Trevor's like, yeah, Sean was one of my players. And it was just so cool. Like just to be a part of all that. Right. And then, you know who the number, and then this is who I want to talk to you about. The next person I met was Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. I knew that. Right. In fact, I was sitting in Bruce's seat because Trevor didn't think that Bruce was going to be there for like, I guess, for a couple hours or something. So here I am sitting in Bruce Boudreaux's seat, Trevor Whitman, Brian Burke, Caroline Cameron. And uh, I see him coming and I'm like, Jesus, I better get out of the seat. Right. And then, and then so, so Trevor saw that I caught the play. And so he didn't have to ask me, hey, Sean, you know, Bruce is here now. So, like, I had already gotten up. And then he's like, hey, Trevor, how's it going? I'm like, and he's like, and Trevor's like, yeah, I'm good. Bruce, how are you? And he's like, hey, this is one of my former players, Sean McMorrow. I'm like, hey, Bruce, nice to meet you. And you know what I mean? And then, so what I'm getting at is, how cool was it for you, you knowing Bruce, you being a part of that conference with Bruce, and then seeing that, seeing that hiring? 
who could have de- who could have deserved that more than Bruce Boudreaux, man? Yeah. Am I saying the name right, by the way? Yeah, yeah, that was, okay. that was that was really cool. I mean, I think it was just a matter of time before he was going to get back in. Things are so much more volatile during these these COVID times that he was bound to get back in, you know, at some point. And he's done an amazing job to this point. He's kind of loosened things up over there, and guys are guys are playing well and responding to him. But you know that that conference in general, uh, it's timed perfectly because you know Trevor and Berkey and Patrice are partners in that venture, and they know to do it around the Hall of Fame weekend when they're going to get a lot of people in town. But um, it's been cool for me. I, I've hosted uh, quite a few panels over the years at, at that event, and I'm just uh, every person that asked me. Uh, who's trying to get in the business i'm like you need to go to this conference by hook or by crook pay for it your parents whatever it is because it's a great opportunity to network and you're seeing the best of the best in every single business in sport yeah and so like like for me uh i was you know kevin abrams is a guy i got to meet a couple of years ago at the event he's the you know the vp of, of football ops for new york giants we you know we were able to come maintain contact um, Megan Hunter, you know, related to the to the Hunters, she was yep. an amazing person. But her title with the Chicago Blackhawks is is really super high up. And I spent five minutes with her, and I'm like, okay, I, I get it. She's she's brilliant. She's probably a lot smarter than the other boneheads that I know. Um, the other Hunter <laughs> boneheads. Um, Dr. Dana Sinclair is is a legend in the industry. Berkey is is utilized her services whenever possible when he's been with NHL teams. So she is is legend uh, in the industry, and then you had Bruce there, and you know, it was really cool for me to 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 be a part of that, you know, with with yeah. that group of people. Uh, pretty pretty amazing stuff, and that was just basically one of the smaller panels, but it was in an area that I felt comfortable with that has you know a bit of the scouting uh, scouting to it, a little bit of the the assessments when it comes to you know what Doctor Dana Sinclair is, is is talking about and that sort of thing. So it's. That, that event is amazing. And anyone who's watching here who goes back and watches the pod here and, and wants to get in the business, that's your starting point, in my opinion. Yes. Now, I, and I agree with you 100%. Sam, can you tell the listeners what your role was in the conference? Like, you, you, were, you, were, I, you were a keynote, right? Yeah. So, so that, that conference has a bunch of panels. So I hosted a panel that had to do with scouting and player development. And... Um, it, it was up to me a, to keep everyone on time, to get everyone involved, to get the different perspectives from those involved in different sports and has, as it relates to and, and bringing it back to as it relates to hockey, because that's my area of expertise. Um, and so, yeah, man, it was just it was just cool to be to be part of that panel, be part of that group. And it's something that I was somewhat familiar with. You know, Berkey was a part of it, too. He and I worked to, together on a couple of drafts in 2018 and 19. So I got to know him when when he was with Sportsnet and um yeah, I was. I I would always go and 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 do whatever panel they would they would ask me to do. Like I I love those guys. I love that program, and I think that's a a small way in which you can give back to 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 the business. You know. Yeah. How funny is Brian Berkman, dude? I couldn't get. You over. know, I I gotta tell you. So this is kind of a cool story. So in 2018, Berkey was hired by Sportsnet, and. Um, it wasn't long after that he was announced that he was going to be part of the draft. And I'd been our draft guy since we got the rights back in 2015, but even extending it a year earlier than that in 2014, I thought, oh, my goose is cooked. Here comes this guy. Like, who the hell is going to 
be able to outclass this guy with his connections and and his voice and his his acumen. Um, I thought, well, I'm screwed. I'm done. I'm, I'm off the draft. Like this is it. And so when that was announced, um, we ended up getting on a call together, and um, it was it was pretty neat because he's like, listen, man, I know who you are. You have a good reputation in the business. When I worked with Calgary and worked with Toronto, we were familiar with your work. Um, I want to let you know that, like, I'm not here to take your job. I'm here to work with you. And I thought, wow, that's that's amazing because, you know, you get this guy who has this big type A personality and he's he comes in there and he's going 100 miles an hour and he obviously has got a lot of respect in the industry. And uh, I was like, watching him on tv and stuff i'm like this guy like he's too much and then we hired him <laughs> like am i like am i gonna have to work with this guy like what's that gonna be like he's it's not gonna be very fun to work with this guy and as we worked together it took probably 10 minutes for us to just kind of find some some common ground and when he said that to me that meant so much to me because i thought hey i've got three or four years under my belt i think i'm doing a good job with the draft this guy's gonna come in he's gonna steamroll me it's gonna be done and and a favorite part of my work is going to be gone. Well, it never worked out to be that way because Berkey was like, we know who you are. We know your reputation. I want to work with you. Let's work together. Let's, let's do it for the good of the show. And from that point on, we've, we've, we've gotten along famously and I have such an appreciation for him and his work, his reputation. Um, what was cool for me in watching him in those two drafts was he didn't sit back and just rely on, on his previous expertise he was out there. He was making calls. He had information. Oh, yeah? He showed up to the interviews. He watched video. And so there oh, was wow. a couple of things where I'd, you know, maybe I'd try and sneak something by him. And he'd be like, no, I talked to this guy. And this is what he said about this player. And I'd be like, well, okay, I did hear that. But here's what else I heard. And he goes, oh, don't worry. I heard that too. I talked to this guy or that guy. So pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I, I enjoyed it immensely working with him over those couple of years. I have a ton of respect for the guy and look at him in a way different light than I did before I met him. That's for sure. Yeah, dude, that's, that's super cool, man. I want to know when his style that he has with his tie, when he started that way, how old do you think that is? Oh, dude, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that. There's not too many people that can do it though, Sammy. No. Like, you I, know, grapes can can come and show up in like in like a um what do they call it? Holy Mackina like suit, like a Mackina style suit. You yeah. know, like like the plaid suit. Grapes can show up with that. And yeah, man, that's grapes. Like, yeah, he, he can do it. Berkey can show up, man, that conference, man. Oh man, I, I just get excited thinking about it. It was so classy, so professional, so informative, yeah. educational. I learned so much, Sam. I couldn't believe the information that I got from one day. I was only there the third day, man. Yeah. One day, man. One day. And I got so much out of it, Sam. I couldn't believe it. I And, and so with Burke, I'm just like, man, this guy is not wearing his tie and it's okay because it's Brian Burke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's he unbelievable. Just created his, he created his own thing, and and I don't even know how it started, but probably one day he was late to work and forgot to do it up, and got up into the office and said, "The hell with it! I'm just going to do it the, the the rest of the way." But yeah. uh, 
It's it's definitely a signature style, that's for sure. Yeah, man. I'm gonna have to ask him that one day, man. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So Sammy, currently right now, you and we, we mentioned it before. You're like, I don't even know what, what, what they say my title is now. But right now they call you a junior hockey analyst on Roger Sportsnet. You are the playoff you're the playoff. You are the draft guy because that's the title too. Like when you look you up on yeah. like on like Wikipedia or something like that. You know what I mean? So you're the official draft guy for Sportsnet and you are the knowledge for the young hockey players that are coming into pro, the major junior warriors. You're the guy. I can tell that you really like your job, man. I can tell just because of the passion and, and everything that, that I can see in it. Like, I can see it, right? Because that, that's the way I am when I talk about sports, right? How do you feel when you, when you work right now? Like, like what's it like? Is it, is, it, is, is it enjoyable, but it's still a grind? Like, like, how is it for you right now, Sammy? No, I mean, it, it, listen, it's, it's so much fun. I enjoy it. Like, I work with amazing people. And, you know, I just got off a nine-year nine run with R.J. Broadhead, who I think is – he's he's an nhl caliber talent like there's no no question about that um um but i've worked with amazing people like going back to when i worked with pete when you would have seen us doing games and dan dan levy and john abbott all these amazing people but in the in the current role yeah i i like doing it i i mean i miss doing junior games that was i never thought i'd miss it this much but i really really miss it I miss the people. I miss being around the rink all the time like we were. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you transition forward, and I've kept a lot of friendships there and, and maintained a network there. So that part is really cool. But, like, now it's just about, you know, doing what's asked of me. You want to be on Hockey Central, then you better know what's going on in the NHL. We need you to talk about the draft. You do that. World Juniors, we're going to have you on to talk about that. And so it's just kind of a, a melding pot of different of different uh, responsibilities all kind of with hockey as the basis it's it's a cool gig yes very cool gig i got to give you some feedback of something that was pretty recent yes so you were doing like i guess it would have been like an insider story on guys that were like late picks that have been very successful this year yeah the guys that aren't supposed to do good that are doing good do you know the one i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, man, I'm telling you right now, Sam, I was so entertained watching that. I, buddy, do not change anything you're doing. I'm, I enjoyed it so much. Like it was, that was, that's entertainment, man. To see someone with that much energy and fired up and, and positive and, and man, I'm telling you, and I know there's so many people that enjoy it just like I do. Right. So I want to thank you. Right, because I'm telling you, man, you're 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 doing the job, man. You're doing the job, and oh, and you're thanks, making Sheriff. it more Listen, enjoyable for us. I, I, like, I always look at myself as an underdog. I still do. I never played. I was never manager in the game. I'm one of the very few people that can, you know, be called an NHL analyst who's who's never been. You know, I've never been a Futes. I've never been a, a Stew. It's not who I was, and I just kind of learned along on the fly. So I'm proud of being able to do that, but I always look at myself as the underdog. So when I see guys that are seventh round picks, undrafted guys, you know, I'm keeping my eye on that stuff because I think those guys deserve deserve their props. And you know, I, I look at someone like yourself. You you played in the NHL, and it might have only been one game. You played in the NHL. You've done something that less than one percent of the people in the world have ever done and will ever do. That's a 
that's an unbelievable accomplishment. And so when I see these guys that, that have strived to be you that say, holy shit, I can't believe I'm here. It's, it's one game. And then it's 10 games and then it's 12 games and it's a career an Andrew Shaw type of guy, whatever the case might be. I don't know. I just have, I, I feel like I relate to that, to that person. And so I want to give that, that player props, you know, not to mention it's the, the people at work. It, it was kind of an accident how that came together because Justin Bourne had worked with me at another time. We call it the rookie report. And I guess they were just kind of chuckling at me after I, I had done it. Cause I was so fired up. So, you know, we get there, I make my notes. I typically, I, I write them down because it helps me remember them. And I don't really look at them after that. I'm just saying what's coming off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. And so Borny filmed it that time. And so the, the people at Sportsnet behind the scenes were able to show what was actually on the TV and Borny was showing me with what was happening on the TV at the same time. So it was, it was kind of a cool thing, but I, I love that. I have passion excitement and energy, uh, especially for the underdog type players. And I want to make sure they get their just due. Yes, buddy. And, and, and thank you for doing stuff like that. I was an eighth round pick. So I appreciate yeah. you cheering <laughs> on the underdog, man. That was, that, that's so cool, dude. And like, and like, just so the listeners know, I am being very serious when I say you are the guy, like when it comes to, I'm going to, I'm going to name the list off again, Sammy, because I believe that these are the most important things in sports entertainment, the energy, ability to entertain the knowledge of the sports and the games, the passion and love for the game and the, the ability to be, to, to animate How, what would you say, animation or the ability to animate? I'd say, well, yeah, ability to, I, I guess, animated you know I, mean? I guess yeah animated yeah. is probably probably yeah. the way to put it but like you know sometimes I, I i watch and i see what's going on and 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 people are super serious and they're intense and this guy made a mistake and this guy made a great play and it and i'm like i i want to bring something a little bit different and i have to differentiate myself because i never played and i was never yeah. a manager or never involved in that level so i have to i don't have a choice but to bring something a little different to the table but at the end of the day the way i look at it is the way we started this conversation is i want to have fun and yes. i want the people that i'm working with to know that i'm going to come in there with with energy and fun and there's going to be some unexpected stuff and at the end of the day we're just talking hockey we're not yeah. we're not dealing with covid we're not you know trying to find a vaccination and we're not trying to <laughs> cure cancer or do anything like that like yeah. we're lucky man we get to talk about hockey and we get paid for doing it we're really lucky and so yeah. i try and take that mentality and, and approach into it you can't always because sometimes stuff gets heavy and it gets serious and and you have to kind of you know tone it down yeah. when, when those things are happening but 90 percent of our work is like we're just talking about hockey man <laughs> let's go and enjoy it you know Let's, Let's go. Just enjoy it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Sammy. That's that, that that's absolutely perfect, man. I I think that's a, a great way to end it. I know that the the insight that you gave. I know how much I appreciated it. I can only imagine how much the listeners appreciate it. We got a really different view today on sports in general. And, and I really appreciate the way your mind works, man. Because, man, oh, man, did I ever learn a lot tonight. And I was entertained at the same time. So thank you, Sam. Right? Sure. And I, I want to – sorry, go ahead, Sam. Thank you. It's been, we, we've gone back and forth and we kind of figured out how to make this thing come together, but it's always cool for me to see people that are, that are successful. And it's not, 
necessarily in the realm of hockey, but in whatever it is they do. And obviously you're making a go of this here in the podcast. And it's cool because for me, I watched you play as a young guy back in, back in the day. And I say that about Crosby. I say that about Spets. I say that about, you know, Matt Stajan who's coaching now, which makes you feel really old. And I say Where that about Sheldon Keefe. Where's Stajan coaching? In, uh, he's in Calgary. He's coaching in Calgary? Yeah, he's, he's assistant coach at Calgary State, yeah. Oh, man, that's a young assistant coach. Yeah. But yeah, he can only be like 35, player. 36. Oh, I think, well. Stajan's in 85, isn't he? Is he in 85? Or in 84, maybe. 84. Yeah, I know maybe. he's young. He's, he's somewhat closer to closer to you. Closer to you okay. than to me, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's, I, think, I think he's, yeah, he's in 84, I'm in 82. So, so he'd be 37. I'm 39 yeah. now. Still a young right. assistant coach. Still young, but you can Oh, Mike Futa, but. <laughs> he can relate, though. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about stage. So, the guy played a thousand games in the show. Like, what yeah, is that's, you're going to say that he hasn't play? seen? So, yeah. I don't know. He, he's an awesome guy. I remember him. And again, I remember him in his days playing junior. Nate McKinnon, Seth Jones, um, you know, Devontae Smith Pelly when he was playing in the league and winning the Stanley yeah. Cup. Like, there's all kinds of guys that I've watched. Wayne Simmons. The funny part is, well, Sim, Stu was was really funny when I got to work with him. I'm like, dude, I used to call your games, and I don't know whether yeah. you remembered or not, but I'm like, dude, I used to call your games, man. He was your so prospect good, too, game, right? whatever. Oh, it was, it's a joke. Yeah, Chris the, was amazing, too, though. Yeah. Chris was an dominated player. Junior. Yeah, yeah, they were just beasts, right? They were beasts. Yeah, yeah. So... For me, it's really cool, and and you know your time dates back a little bit to before those guys, but it's cool for me to see now what guys are doing, whether it's in or out of the game. Yeah, man, awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate that, Sam. Um, so I, I wanted to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Sheriff, featuring special guests, the energy, the passion, the <laughs> yeah, knowledge, baby. the know-how, everything, Mister Sam Costantino. And, dude, I want to thank you for coming out again, but I got to ask you before we leave, would you come back for a part two? Sure, man. Sure. Awesome, buddy. That's what I'm glad to hear. Great to see you. Okay, awesome, man. man. Awesome. I I, I know I put you on the spot, but awesome. (laughs) Good. All right, guys. So we're going to sign off now. Woo!